You are listening to Alabama Blue, a podcast co-hosted by two ordinary citizens, Carlton Worthen and Karen Sterling, who are dedicated to provide factual information and shed a light on the issues that continue to provide meaningful process in Alabama. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode podcast for Alabama Blue. Um, I'm the host, Carlton Worthen, and co-host... Karen Sterling. It is so good to be back in the seat on today as we continue our discussion on politics, culture, and news of what's going on here across our wonderful state of Alabama. Uh, Karen, how you been doing? I've been uh, starting to get busier as the upcoming uh, primary is approaching mm-hmm. uh, for the political parties here in Alabama. That's going to be May 24th. And Carlton, one of the things we want to talk about today is uh, who's running. Ab- absolutely. I remember sharing with you on last week and to our uh, listening audience, uh, Two weeks ago, it may have been three weeks ago now, I was in Birmingham at a hotel, and to just see the number of political ads that were running across uh, my television there um, uh, in Birmingham, and then I had to ask myself, uh, why am I not seeing all of these ads here in the Eufaula or in the lower part of the state of Alabama? And so, yes, you're absolutely correct. That is the topic uh, that we want to talk about today. Uh, who is running uh, for office here in the state of Alabama and some of the reasons why or why not? Uh, many of them may not be as well known. So won't you go ahead and lead us off? Uh, who is running for office here in the state of Alabama? Well, a lot of people who are not real familiar with the primary system get a little bit confused Mm -hmm. uh, as to what this election is about. Historically, they say that the primary is the party faithful, Mm -hmm. those folks that are actively working with candidates that are going to decide who's going to be on the ballot for each party in November. Right. So the general public doesn't always vote in a primary election because they're really not sure who the candidates are and what the issues are. So do you think that's a uh, positive or negative uh, that more people are not participating in primaries? Uh, For me, that would have to be a negative situation because you want to have your best possible candidate on that ballot in November, and when there's limited exposure or it's only the party insiders, you're letting other people decide for you who that best candidate might be. Gotcha. So won't you give us a, a rundown? Who are some of the candidates who are running? Well, I think it helps to, to start with is to get an idea of what races are in play, okay. and then we kind of go to who what candidates are running. Right. So in order to be on the primary ballot, you have to have an opponent for the race that you're running in. The highly contested races in our state right now are going to be the race for governor mm-hmm. on the Republican and the Democratic side. You're going to have multiple candidates running for governor. Right. The United States Senate is a very coveted seat, and therefore you have candidates running uh, for that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, House of Representatives is another um, contested race in um, many of the districts that are in uh, Alabama. And there are seven districts in Alabama. We are in District 2, which is a very large district. I believe there's 14 counties in uh, District 2, uh, Congressional District in Alabama. 
So when we when we look at District Two here in uh, the state of Alabama, uh, let's take for example uh, the state Senate seat. Um, who are the candidates for that side for well, that seat? Uh, in the state Senate seat, which is uh, really uh, focused on the Senate district, we have two candidates. We have the incumbent candidate, Billy Beasley. That's right. Okay. And uh, a relative newcomer, Chris Lee, uh, mm-hmm. who is a city councilman in um, uh, uh, Tuskegee. Tuskegee. I, yeah. I want to say Tuscaloosa. <laughs> no, I know that's wrong. But, but that, 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 that is going to be an interesting race right there because in so many ways they are polar opposite. You have uh, young generation, Chris Lee, I believe he's under the age of 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you have uh, Billy Beasley, who is who seems to be the establishment's choice uh, so far, who has occupied that seat for quite a few years. Over 10 years, and I believe he is in the Senate, uh, the leader of the minority party, although we have very few uh, Democratic senators in the uh, state Senate. Okay. So now, uh, with state representative for District 2, um, of course, we're aware that the current occupant of the seat is uh, State Representative Barry Forte. So does he have a primary candidate, or is that seat unopposed? That seat is unopposed in the primary. And I do not believe at this point there is a Republican contender wow. on the other side. Now, you okay. will not see Barry Fort's um, name on the primary ballot because he does not have opposition Mm-hmm. In the primary, you so, will see his name only in November. So, as a side note, I recall you and I had a uh, private conversation um, a while back, and and this is just my personal thoughts uh, when it comes to our democratic process. Um, I'm a firm believer that it is not always healthy for a democracy, a democratic process, when you have candidates that are just completely unopposed. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, especially considering that we're in the primary season and then going into the general election? I think that we're in a transition time for this, and that's mm-hmm. something that I think people should be relatively excited about as we look at what that primary process really means for us. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, um, this question of uh, being primaried and uh, who was going to hold that seat was kind of decided in back rooms. Right. And it it's still to a great degree, this is what occurs. Uh, because to be primaried in your election is expense that you have. Right. It's about a uh, opponent on the other side questioning some of your positions on things that might put you at risk in the general election, depending about how aggressive mm-hmm. uh, that uh, particular uh, process can be. On the other hand, when we start the need to share ideas and information and what you stand for and voting for more than simply party affiliation, I think that the primary process can be very helpful uh, to all of us. And any of we, when we talk about why does somebody run in Alabama, uh, especially as a Democrat, one of the things you find out is you learn so much from running. You have no idea until you really start thinking about how do I do this? How do I put together a team? What does it look like to be able to 
touch base in 14 counties. I, I think one <laughs> of the other uh, major benefits of having primaries is it creates an opportunity for ideas and vision to be presented to a constituency. Um, and then it gives that constituency the opportunity to choose. Um, if you want to go with uh, vision A, or if you want to go with vision B, and the more uh, ideas that we have that are being presented, I firmly believe actually helps to strengthen uh, the overall constituency, not a party per se, but the constituency so that ideas are, are presented. Um, go ahead and get another thought, and we're going to move on to some of the other races. Right, because that's what I think that important to do. So there is a very interesting choice in this particular Senate race, the Senate race that we're talking about, Alabama Senate, the incumbent versus the newcomer. That's an interesting comment. Why, why do you make that comment? Uh, I think that um, one of the things that people are going to be asking themselves in this election and in the general election is, does my vote count? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting if you know that you're in the minority that your vote does not necessarily go going to determine the outcome. And when you say minority in this context, you're referring to the Democrat versus Republican, Republican in the state so of Alabama, right? Sex, so gotcha. I'm in the minority party. Does my vote count? If I think that the best person for this position might be Doug Jones, I could write his name in. Right. Although well, he is not on the ballot, ballot. everyone. <laughs> right. He is not on the ballot. But I might say, gee, that's the person I'd like to see representing me. Would that be valid for me to put that into a, a primary election? Because I can write in, but I may be the only vote for him. So did I waste my vote or was that valuable? So since you brought up the name of uh, former Senator Doug Jones for Alabama, let's talk about the uh, U.S. Senate race. Uh, here in the state of Alabama. Uh, who's on the ballot and what's going on with that race? Um, the U.S. Senate race is a very interesting one because of the, um, excuse me, some of the um, press that's happening on uh, the other side mm -hmm. in terms of who is running uh, for uh, the Senate. But in the Democratic primary, we have Will Boyd, okay. um, Brandon Dean, Lanny Jackson and Victor Kenneth Williams. Okay, those we'll are four read them names. off one more time for those who are listening but can't see us. Uh, Will Boyd, okay, Brandon Dean, Lanny Jackson, and Victor Keith Williams. All right, now give us the rundown. Who are these people? <laughs> well, <laughs> who I, are these people? This is one of the interesting uh, elements uh, that what we're dealing with right now. Uh, as part of my role in trying to help uh, some of the people of our county determine who these candidates are and what they're doing, I've been working for several months mm -hmm. uh, to figure out where they are. And two of them, I've not been able to find. I can't find web pages. I don't see Facebook pages. Uh, I'm Go barely put, put, able put, put, to put get the, a... Put the name <laughs> out there. Who, who are the two you can't find? I can't Currently, right now, I can't find Lanny Jackson and Victor Kenneth Williams. Wow. They've not been easy to find at all. Listen, listen, candidates, I, I, I'm going to step in right here and uh, Karen may get a little upset with me that that's OK. Um, but if you are a candidate for office and to be this number of days out from Election Day that's coming up in May, um, when your name is not known, that is not a good sign. 
when your name is not known, that is not a good sign. Uh, so anyway, with that being said, let's talk about some of the candidates who are known right now. Right. Uh, <clears throat> for many of us who've been following uh, Democratic politics in uh, Alabama, uh, Will Boyd, who is a pastor and a um, an engineer and uh, by I, training. I've, I have been very impressed with uh, Boyd. And just as a disclaimer, because I'm aware that we live in this cancel cancel culture, um, I have personally donated to the William Boyd uh, campaign. Not our podcast, but I have done so. And for the other candidates who are also seeking nomination uh, within the party, uh, show your face, you might get blessed. Uh, show your face, you might get blessed. Uh, Mr. Boyd actually made the trip all the way to Eufaula, Barber County. Go ahead. And he has a good statewide presence. He has run, I believe, uh, three separate statewide uh, races for us on the Democratic ticket. Mm -hmm. And this would be a position that he would be extremely well qualified for. Does that sound like an endorsement? <laughs> I am saying that uh, one of the things I look for in candidates uh, in a primary in particular is, is this an individual that can do the job? Mm -hmm. Not everyone who is running have presented themselves and their qualifications in such a way that says you can do the job. Okay. Now, our system of government allows anybody to run if they meet minimum qualifications of being a citizen and of a certain age, but that doesn't mean you necessarily want to see them as your senator or your governor. Okay. Who was the other individual that's known running for the Senate? Uh, Brandon, I believe you mentioned. Yeah, Brandon Dean. I have, I've, he has made direct contact uh, with us. He's a uh, younger gentleman who is currently uh, in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, where he uh, is advocating uh, for uh, some of the uh, some minority causes that he uh, believes in, and he's just getting into the political arena mm -hmm. uh, from this. He seems a very articulate and well-spoken young man, but he has not made himself as available as some of the other candidates that we might see. It, 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 is it, are you of the opinion that it's not that these candidates don't have the desire to fan out more across the state to carry their message. It's more so the lack of resources. Is it just the lack of creativity? Uh, what, what are some of your thoughts on why it's such a challenge with these candidates getting their message out across the state? Well, the first thing is it's a true numbers game. Uh, it is very common for all of the candidates on both parties to concentrate in the big five population centers. Which are? Uh, you're going to deal with Birmingham, Montgomery, Mobile, um, let's see, uh, Huntsville. Huntsville, yes, and... Uh, I believe it may be the Auburn Oak area because even Dothan doesn't make the top five okay. in, in regard to what you're looking at. So that if you're doing any type of political work, whether it's an ad buy, putting signs out or whatever, there's just more fish in the barrel in those areas. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting you say that, you know, just to slightly pivot away from this, but it's one of the reasons why I believe our founding fathers uh, – uh, were so creative with the way that our republic was formed uh, when we have what is known as not only as a republic, but when we look at the Senate, the uh, U.S. Senate, what ends up happening is you have just two from each state, regardless of the size of the state, 
but more so when we look at how the seats are decided for congressional purposes, because a lot of times the states that have the more populous uh, populations are the ones that get paid attention to. And we really see that play out more so in the presidential politics, because if candidates for president only had to focus on uh, where the most populated areas are, there would be many states that would never have a visit from a uh, candidate. Absolutely. Now, very interesting in the District 2, which we've been focused on a little bit uh, for the congressional district, uh, 49% of that vote is in the Montgomery area. And 51% is in all the other 14 counties. Wait, say that one more time. <laughs> say it real slow so they can hear. 49% of the voters that vote uh, uh, in the election are located in uh, Montgomery. Wow. And 51% in the rest, basically in the rest of the Wiregrass area. So if you are a candidate that is well-known in Montgomery, you have a very good chance of winning the primary, of going ahead to get that, um, you know, that coveted position. But that could, you can also run that play another way as well. If you're a candidate coming out of the Montgomery area that has name recognition, and then if you have 51% of the uh, votes coming from the Wiregrass area, then you can focus a lot more of your resources just here in the Wiregrass area, more so than other populations across the state. Is that what I'm hearing from you? That is the case. So it's saying that if I am a candidate from the Wiregrass, I not only need to get the support from my local counties and surrounding counties, but I also need to have a presence in Montgomery. Whereas if I'm from Montgomery, I can come out to these other areas, get support from them because I'm willing to travel and be known, and I will do much better within the primary. So it's an interesting dynamic that we're dealing with. Let's look at this uh, race for Congress, uh, for the U.S. Congress. What's going on with that race? Oh, we have two candidates running for office. Okay. Uh, the first is Phyllis Harvey Hall, mm -hmm. and she ran for this District 2 seat in the last election. Right, and I think I thought she ran a really good campaign, and a, as a disclaimer, you were her campaign manager. No, I was not. Oh, you Phyllis, were not the campaign no, manager. No, Phyllis Harvey Hall was... Uh, I worked for Audrey, Audrey Scott, Scott Williams. Audrey Scott that Williams, had, that, I'm sorry. had run for that seat prior to Phyllis Harvey Hall running. Gotcha. Phyllis is a uh, retired educator. Her husband's a firefighter. Okay. Uh, she has... Um, like I said, uh, done some good work within the Montgomery area. And I think that as her first campaign evolved, uh, she got a good share of the vote. And part of it is that a lot of our voters vote D. When they go to a general election, they vote a straight party ticket. And she she got uh, quite a uh, number of votes because of that. But she also won a primary against someone who was a little better known in uh, Democratic circles, Nathan Mathis. So in, in, in your opinion, you know, being the political guru that you <laughs> are here in the state of Alabama, um, how was Phyllis Harvey all, how was Phyllis Harvey Hall able to be competitive uh, when she ran the last time and actually make it to the general election? I think that she had that uh, connection 
uh, in Montgomery, which was very helpful, mm -hmm. uh, that people in political uh, circles and who are going to vote for the primary knew of her. Uh, she's an African-American woman, and with uh, our Democratic voters in District 2, that uh, does create an advantage uh, in the minds of several because people enjoy voting for somebody who's like them, that mm -hmm. understands their issues and their challenges. And it people call this, I think, um, uh, it's called profile politics or... Um, Basically, it's it's saying that segments of voters will vote this way because of their race or their culture. One, one of the things that really did impress me with her last race uh, was it, it seemed as though she really took the time out to get that out into the various uh, communities across the district and did not rely completely solely upon the Montgomery vote. But uh, she really did get out here into these rural areas. Now, I've begun to notice um, here in Eufaula and out in some of the other further rural areas that I'm seeing uh, Patel, mm -hmm. uh, who is the other candidate for her opponent for the uh, seat here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? About he him. is from the Dothan area, mm -hmm. and uh, he has a very entrepreneurial family. Uh, in fact, I'm familiar with relatives that actually uh, own and operate businesses here uh, in Eufaula. Yeah. I think that um, f as we talk about our Democratic Party being a big tent, uh, Mr. Patel, again, a younger candidate, not as much experience in terms of age as uh, Phyllis Harvey Hall has. Uh, you see the um, ability. But, but, but now to yeah. be fair, has Phyllis Harvey Hall ever been elected to office? Uh, as far as I know, she has not. So they, if they whoever is, is elected, elected would both come mm -hmm. in with no uh, government experience. Yes, with no direct government okay. experience in regard to that. Um, but I, I think that there is certainly a lot to be said for a business person, mm -hmm. uh, a uh, what I might call a super minority business person in the state of Alabama, uh, having it uh, more of a Indian Asian uh, background is mm -hmm. not someone that uh, we see just uh, you know a large contingent of voters in that area, and I'm interested in learning more about his platform and ideas. And, and, and not only that, when when I look at this particular race, to be honest with you, I see it almost as a test for. Uh, the Wiregrass area, because they're both minorities. Um, yes. One, of course, is a woman, uh, but not only is she a woman, she is a black woman. And then for Patel, um, is is he Indian? I believe that is his background. And, 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 I, and we stand yeah, corrected if, if I have it wrong. wrong. I, I stand corrected if I have it wrong. I certainly do not want to insult anyone. I don't think Karen does either. But we do know that both candidates are considered minorities. Yes. Now, they are coming to our club meeting uh, on Thursday. this Thursday. That's and right. they will be in Dothan uh, speaking on the same stage on Friday at a political forum. Mm -hmm. And uh, we may still have the opportunity to visit with uh, one or both of them here, depending on how our timing goes for the podcast. But I think it points out, as we talk about this race, both the challenges that these candidates have, because this is a very large area to cover, 
a lot of our counties are not organized at all. They don't, a candidate does not even know who they need to make a phone call to to get in front of voters Mm -hmm. in a given uh, county. Uh, So this is something that I think creates a real challenge. So so, um, I believe the last uh, batch of races, and I saved them for last intentionally, um, is governor. Is that correct? That is correct. And we have six candidates running for uh, governor on the Democratic side. And this is probably our most challenging race for our for what is a very big position Mm -hmm. because these candidates all are rather unique and none of them necessarily jump out and say, this is going to be our best candidate for governor going forward from a level of experience. Okay. Uh, The candidates running are Yolanda Rochelle Flowers. Okay. And we had the opportunity to meet her. uh, Patricia Salter Jameson, uh, Arthur Kennedy, Chad Ching Martin, Michaela Sanders Forte and Doug Newblue Smith. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll just uh, get um, some of the candidates that are a little more interesting kind of out there. Doug Newblue Smith has run for office uh, as long as I've been following uh, <laughs> politics for about. Well, he's not a quitter, it seems like. <laughs> Uh, and he is an elderly uh, a gentleman with a background in economics. So very cerebral. Uh, well, he has very practical information. You'll always see him with a chart explaining <laughs> what he can do to right. help uh, the Alabama economy improve. And back in the day, he actually worked with... Um, basically the legislature and government to try to uh, put some of these policies and principles that he had studied and worked with in place. And from his data states that they are working. So we appreciate a candidate that comes forth with an idea, I mean, with information and expertise in an area that Alabama sorely needs. So what do you think the reason or the challenge is why more people are not familiar with him or aware of his uh, campaign? Because I think being a one-issue candidate Mm. in a lot of ways as to what he is, people don't see him as necessarily having that rounded background that would make him an exceptional governor. All right. Who's next? But I think he does really uh, create, I mean, he he has a good reason to run if what we're listening for are ideas and things that we need to pay attention to. Okay. Um, Michaela Sanders uh, Forte, um, I understand, is the person that has the uh, New South um, uh, endorsement for her candidacy. And she Mm -hmm. is a mother. um, You can continue. She she is a mother um, that is a first-term Alabama senator. Okay. And so she is currently serving... And uh, having heard her speak uh, in regard to this, uh, she is learning firsthand the challenges of being a minority. Um, uh, let's see, being on the minority side when it comes to legislating within our state. So, what what do you what is your understanding of what has drawn her to into considering running for office? Um. I think like many of our candidates on the Democratic side, people see a gap. 
Okay. They're looking at who can do this. And this is the type of person that with additional experience with running a statewide campaign, for example, is going to become known and more effective in whatever position they have. And we really like to see candidates that are doing that. Now, I'm really interested in hearing your uh, analysis on the, is his name Chad Chinnick? Chad Ching Martin. Come on, let everybody know <laughs> what's going on with that race right there. <laughs> Chad Ching Martin is, uh, ran as an independent uh, in the last governor's race. And according to him, uh, he said that he got 4,000 votes. Uh, he's an entrepreneur. He's a businessman. And he focuses on business. He's a very charismatic individual. Uh, he is, I believe, from uh, the enterprise area and ran, I mean, and opened the first CBD um, store in Alabama. Okay. So uh, he is running as a Democrat this time and has um, a lot of um, focus on maybe not always the traditional uh, Democratic uh, focus on things. He takes a business perspective. So is he, uh, is he from a party standpoint, the uh, Bernie Sanders of Alabama, where he was independent and then decided to come on under the tent to become a Democrat? Well, again, I don't want to speak to people's uh, personal policies and positions <laughs> on things, but I think that he is he, he is a non-traditional candidate and one I think that people will want to look at uh, to see what his ideas of things are because, again, as a big tent party, we need to hear about some of the things that he has to offer. All right. How, how about the next one? Arthur Kennedy is a... Um, uh, a soft-spoken elderly gentleman who is running for office. And I, I just really, uh, he and to the same degree, very much like Yolanda Rochelle Flowers, uh, who is a, a retired educator in speech therapy, also a grandmother, I think both of them care deeply about our state. They okay. want to see compassion as part of the... Um, the ruling or the the governance of our state, and I think they are running to bring that voice uh, right. to the um, basically uh, to the position. And was that all of them? Uh, Patricia Salter Jameson is the last person, and I have to admit, I do not have a lot of information on her. So I guess in conclusion, uh, when we look at all of those persons who are presenting themselves for elected office, uh, again, why is it that we still continue to have challenges here in the Wiregrass area, the rural south, uh, with knowing who they are? And I think one of the, some of the conclusions we have come to is uh, access to resources, um, as well as our party being organized in many of our rural communities so that candidates know who they can reach out to. And that we are in a strong phase of, uh, of party building and transition that many of these candidates are basically um, learning the ropes on how to run so that we can run more effectively. One of a, a really strong party organizer that I know for the Democratic in, our, in Alabama, and I think we could end on this as a, uh, she says there's three victories in any uh, election. Mm -hmm. The first victory is a uh, candidate uh, getting out to run and sharing ideas.
It's a victory when someone comes in and is willing to serve and is willing to put positions on things and put themselves out there. The second victory is when you get out the vote, because every time you get citizens out to vote for someone they believe in, you are creating a victory and a foundation for the next person that's going to run. And then the final victory is who comes up with the most votes at the end of the day in the ballot box. But if we can continue to win the first two in Alabama, we've got a chance going forward to eventually win more of the third races. Listen, we have enjoyed uh, hanging out with you all today who are listening in on Podcast World. Uh, Those of you who are viewing, um, if you want to make contact with us here with our podcast, Alabama Blue, you can do so via our Twitter. Um, Our Twitter is Alabama Blue underscore one. Alabama Blue underscore one is how you can contact us on Twitter. You can also reach us on Facebook. We are Alabama Blue, uh, and you're going to need to look for us a little more directly since that (laughs) Facebook page is just coming on board. But look for our logo. Yes. Look for our logo. Our uh, producer, engineer, director in the background here is trying to get us our our attention. What were you getting ready to say? And on on Instagram, it is alabama.blue. Alabama.blue on IG. Listen, we really want to connect with you. Um, if you have questions or comments, you can reach us on any of those platforms that we just shared with you. Listen, have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thank you.